Hi everyone, I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. Welcome to the second episode of Sheriff, Lawless, and Some Guy Named Dave. It's the official Vegas Golden Knights podcast with the broadcast crew of Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, and Dave Gosher. I'll join the guys for some storytelling too. It's Sheriff, Lawless, and Some Guy Named Dave. Hashtag SLGND. We begin today with thoughts on the Golden Knights' 5-4 overtime victory over Buffalo, citing the standouts and attaching context to the club's 5-1 start. The guys explore ideal vacation destinations, we brainstorm on pump-up playlists, and we share some wild stories from our minor league travels, one featuring Sheriff in a penalty box brawl. It's hashtag SLGND. Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave. And now, here's Dave. All right, Dan Duva, thanks very much. Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave, brought to you by Foley Food and Wine. Bill and Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of the greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of this society, you'll have access to our entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek the experience, the seek to experience the finer things in life. They look forward to hosting you during our next visit. All right, Dave Gosher. Along with Shane Knighty and Gary Lawless, great to have you with us for our second podcast here. Hashtag SLGND. Break up the Golden Knights, 5-1. and one. Uh, The first team in 100 years to start off as an expansion club at 5-1. and one. Lawman, you remember the 1917 Montreal Canadiens? <laughs> I saw that stat last night, and it kind of confused me for a second because, of course, the Canadians were the, the St. Pats before yeah. they were the Canadians, but that wasn't the NHL. It was right. something else. Uh, I think they probably played for the Allen Cup, not the Stanley Cup, uh, although they, the St. Pats did win the Stanley Cup as well, so uh, uh, I was not around. Okay. I think uh, right. that's a cheap shot from Gosher, <laughs> but that uh, shouldn't, shouldn't surprise Very anybody. hurtful. I'll tell you what, it, it was, uh, you know, they were up 4-1 last night, and um, my poor wife texted me and said, oh, they're going to win again, way to go. And I texted her back, I said, you know, you jinxed them. And at 4-4, she was, uh, um, you know, beside herself, thinking that she had caused this issue. And then uh, David Perron, of course, uh, uh, gets the goal. I guess Malcolm Subban is, was of real interest to me last night because... You know, the first goal kind of put him a little bit behind the eight ball, but he didn't give up. He didn't give up, and then he held them in. They got to four one, and then a lot went wrong that was out of his control <laughs> after that. And a goalie can crumble in that situation, and he didn't. And my favorite thing about Mark Andre Fleury is his compete. The stat I like about Mark Mark Andre Fleury the best is that he's third in active goaltenders in wins, and a win isn't a goalie stat. But, Shane, you can talk to this. You know, if your goalie isn't doing it for you, you're not getting that win. And Malcolm Subban, he channeled his inner Marc-Andre Fleury last night and stayed in that game and helped his team get the win. Never been a big believer of individual stats, maybe for obvious reasons. It was always about wins to me. Uh, That said, but some great points. And when you play in the National Hockey League, as a team, you have to learn to win different ways. It's not always going to be as easy. You get up. There's team. There's another team on the other side that's competing. And uh, 
you know, that, that's a great point, Subban. How is he going to come back after an early goal? And I thought he settled in. I thought he made a great save at the beginning. And obviously, you know, Buffalo's power play took over. Uh, the Golden Knights got themselves into penalty trouble. And talk about Jinx, Gosh and I were talking earlier in the game. We're saying, well, the power play struggled. But the penalty kill, boy, they've been great. Came into the game killing 11 straight. And then they give up three. But... Uh, you know, it's not scripted exact every game. Uh, the way they were able to fight back and, and to come in overtime for a young goaltender, a team that's still learning different ways, they found a way to win the game. And at the end of the night, that is really what it's about. That and then learning from your mistakes. Obviously, they want to stay out of the box. I thought they've been very disciplined, uh, you know, through the first five games. Uh, last night got a little bit off track, and it, and it came back to bite them as uh, they had to go to extra time. But, you know, another win here for this team and another big learning curve. Uh, and that's pretty much when you look at a season – these are, these are instances you can look back on and take from the memory bank going forward. Okay, we need to learn to play this way in a game. you got to keep the stick down, that slashing call. We saw a bunch of them last night. Guys are going to have to start to adjust. Um, but it's about learning and taking it, putting that forward into that next game. The hardest thing to get in an expansion draft is offense. <laughs> you have to kind of, you got to scrape it together. And that's why they signed Vadim Shipashev. Uh, to see if he could come and adjust to the NHL and provide offense. It's why they took Brendan Leipzig from the Toronto Maple Leafs because he's a guy that had a ton of offense in junior, hadn't discovered it at the NHL level. I want to talk about Leipzig because, uh, you know, I think the, the, the sample size has to be larger for him, but what you're seeing in the offensive zone, he has the instincts, he has the stick, he has the vision, He's got the offensive side of the game. He gets caught on the wall in his own zone, and he, because he's small, he gets swallowed up. If they can figure out a way to help him you know, get better in his own zone, I think they may have found a player. Well, that's the biggest adjustment for any player, especially a young player. The jump to the NHL is learning the defensive zone. They have those offensive instincts. That's natural for him. He came out of junior. That's the easy part of the game. It's the other part. And also, when you have those instincts, it's a matter. Everything happens that half second quicker. So the plays need to go in. And we're seeing, you know, you see some great plays. He's going to try some stuff. He's going to be one of those guys that's got a little bit longer of a leash here from the head coach to make mistakes because uh, you want to you – allow him to have that creativity in a game, but he certainly has the speed uh, for, and you mentioned size, which is really not becoming much of an issue. He's going to have to find a way to adjust to, to make things happen. You know, Johnny Gaudreau is, he's much bigger than him and, and he adjusts. So uh, there's things and it's a big learning curve, but uh, certainly you can see the speed and the biggest thing is the work ethic is there. And that's probably one of the things that you really have to, you have to find a way to compete on pucks, win battles despite your size. And there's a lot of guys in the league that know how to do that. You know, and you look at how this team has started out guys. And, and let's be honest, I don't know if any of us saw this coming five and one right out of the gates. Now, you know, they played some teams, Arizona's missed the playoff, you know, Arizona's off to a terrible start. They got a couple of wins against them, but look, you have to, you know, I try not sometimes to read too much into that. I mean, it's going to get tougher for this team, right? You've got St. Louis coming in on Saturday, you've got Chicago coming in next week, but you still have to win the games that are in front of you. And they've been able to do that even when they've hit some bumps in the road. Look, the third period, it got away from them against Detroit, obviously. But that next game against Boston, they were real good, and especially in the third period. It fell apart on them in the final 10 minutes of the game last night. I mean, that game's over, 4-1. You know, we're kind of sitting there and thinking about, all right, who's going to, you know, three stars, and they get themselves in some penalty trouble. They got outshot 19-6 in the third period. They didn't allow a shot in the overtime. I think with shots were 4 nothing. I think, for the Golden Knights. So I think if they have hit some bumps, 
their ability as a young team, as an expansion team, to kind of get over it and respond has been pretty good. I want to watch and see how Gerard Gallant handles Brad Hunt in the next little while going forward because we're seeing clearly he is, um, amongst their defensemen, he has the most offensive uh, the most offensive mind. He sees the ice. Uh, he, he doesn't just transport the puck, Shane. He brings the puck up, but then he can generate offense from the rush. And I haven't seen a ton of that from, from Schmidt and Miller, who are the other guys that can really skate with the puck. Miller obviously has that bomb of a shot that he uses on the power play. But Hunt sees he's got... He's closer to Shea Theodore than the rest of this group, uh, it, it, from my view. But I'm not sure I wouldn't like to see him in some defensive situations as well because they went to their steady eddies last night, which I, and I, I understand that. But the puck they got stuck with the puck in their zone for an awful lot last night, and he's a guy that can move the puck himself with his legs. Well, the difference Brad Hunt has over Colin Miller and Nate Schmidt, you mentioned two other guys that move the puck, He's experienced. He's played in these offensive situations. Yes, it's maybe not at the NHL level, but he's he's been the go-to guy in the American Hockey League for a long time. He's not a young man. He's 29. I'm not saying he's old, yeah, yeah. but that's sometimes for a defenseman, he's maybe hitting his stride right now, and, and he thinks the game really well. There's there's not as much. I don't know, panic's the right word, but, you know, under he's pressure. Poised. He, uh, poised. Great word. Under pressure, he's able to make that play, especially when you're in those situations. So, yeah, defensively, it always used to be, okay, you got your shutdown guys, they're going to bang it off the glass. The game now, you need to make that play. You need to find that open seam when you're down a guy, when it's a six-on-five situation. Okay, obviously they got one extra play. Everything's clogged up, but instead of just throwing it away, you got to maybe take that extra half second, get your head up, make that pass, and he's a guy that looks for that before he makes the other play. Because they kept throwing it off the wall, and it kept getting swallowed yeah. up and, and held in there, and they had all that defensive zone time, which in, which resulted in... Three goals. But it goes back to this is an expansion team, and all these guys, George McPhee said it, it's still an evaluation process. Mm -hmm. They're evaluating every one of these guys to see where they are. I think Brad Hunt, you're going to see him get more opportunities, and a lot of it, they're not evaluating him in the offensive side of the puck, him moving it. They know exactly what they have there. It's in the defensive zone where they're really going to have their eye on him and see where he evolves in that situation. Has it surprised you, Sheriff, that this team has come together as quickly as they have. I mean, you've got guys that yeah, have come oh, here yeah. from all over the place. I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. And I, I look, it's early. I understand all that. But we might as well just take a look. They're the number one team in the Western Conference right now, <laughs> which is unbelievable. But, you know, I know it's six games. I, I, I get all that. But still, considering how this is all put together, and, you know, training camp was what? Started roughly a month ago, maybe, you know, a little over that, that they've been able to have this success this early. Yeah, I'm surprised. I think everybody is. You can go yeah. around the league. But once we started to watch them before we got the regular season, uh, you could see I could see that this team was going to have some potential. Uh, you know, everybody just wants an expansion. And I think a lot of teams coming in, oh, it's an expansion team, this and that. Well, that's going to go by the wayside now. Teams are coming in ready for them. They're not going to surprise anyone now. But to me, they picked... The way they were able to, to select and trade and, and, and get these picks and assemble this team... There was a motive there, and it was about putting certain guys. I think they've got very hockey-intelligent players. They've got speed in their lineup. They've got a lot of guys that were depth and played in defensive situations on other teams. So their ability to buy in happened very, very quick. These guys understand the team aspect to playing the game. 
Cer- certainly there's some guys, you know, your James Neal, your Perron, uh, your offensive guys in that top six, they're going to have a little bit more of a leeway to, to make those plays. But outside of that, these guys stick to the way they want to play. Gerard Gallant said, we're not changing anything with guys in the lineup. And it's obvious there's a game plan there. There's a structure that has been assembled very quickly. And it's really showing here that, and I've been a believer of a long time, and you can have a talented team, but team beats talent most nights. You have to wonder, and uh, I want to be careful how I phrase this, but the, obviously the October 1 incident took this group of players away from the rink and put them in situations uh, in hospitals. I really think they got to see each other as people. They stripped down the the, the hockey player, and point. they were just people. They were emoting. And, you know, you see yeah. one of your teammates – Put his arm around uh, a parent who is, you know, learning about, you know, the loss of a child. And you see that person providing empathy. And then all of a sudden you're like, you're connected, you know. And that, like it, it just, uh, I think that that really kind of fast forwarded this process for them. And I also think that you know, we've heard them say it. And I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's just talk. They've said we're playing for Las Vegas right now. We're not just playing for ourselves. And so you go from being 30 guys from 30 different teams. Like when you played for the Boston yeah. Bruins, Shane, you played for Boston. Yeah. You had a, you had an attachment to that city, to the to the, the legacy of the Boston Bruins, to the history. Like you were thrilled to be an original six guy. You come to the Vegas Golden Knights, and what is it? You don't know. Well, then you that, that incident happens, and all of a sudden – you know what Las Vegas is. You know what the people are. You feel part of it. I feel part of it. And I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not playing in front of 17,500 people every night. And yet I feel part of the community. I think that really fast-forwarded this yeah. team concept. Really good point. It connected them to yeah. the community immediately. And that there was coming in exactly. You didn't know what. And all of a sudden there's a sense of pride. These are guys coming in, and you put that jersey on. It's not just for you. It's for the guys next to you and in that dressing room, and it's for the city. It's for the fans there. There was an immediate connection that galvanized not only the group, but them to being this Vegas-born team You know, in a very difficult situation. And you're, you're right. It's a tough one to talk about, but it certainly did fast-forward the process. They bring that the, the first responder onto the ice last night, those two young women. I think they were nurses. And the anthem singer, the one girl, I don't want to get emotional, the one girl is shaking because you know what's going through her mind. The other girl is gripping her hand and supporting her. And the anthem singer is sitting there and and starts to cry, witnessing this, and can't start the song and the, the, the anthem. And the crowd is, you know, picking up on it. You're a player standing there. You're not oblivious uh, to that. Absolutely, absolutely. I wasn't oblivious to it up top, yeah. and no. you know we're getting ready for it. And and not only that, if you go past it, the, the hug at the end of it, the the anthem singer gave to the responder, all that stuff just sends chills. And uh, you know, and it's going to take time. This isn't going to go away. This this is a healing process for the city. And I think these guys and these players have really embraced being a part of it. And I I think. Guys, that you said, I think you kind of touched on this now. It's, it's a two-way street. Like, this forced, and the players did it willingly. You know, I remember George McPhee said when they had that meeting that next day after everything happened on October the 2nd, that the guys stood up almost to a man and said, we want to help as much as we possibly can. And they did that. 
the two-way street part comes in. If you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan, or if you bought season tickets, or if you're planning on attending a game, and this is the first ever pro sports team in the city, you know, okay, it's great we have a team, but now you you see how much the, the players care about the community, and I think maybe even that forces you to care and support this team even more. These guys just made a conscious decision, and the organization made a decision. We are going to try to help as much as we possibly can. And if you're from the outside looking in, I think you look at this team and this franchise and say, you know what? That's the way it should be. It should be a two-way street. And I, I think it's been I think it's been great to witness that under horrible circumstances. It's it's worked out where look, obviously the five wins out of six games is great, but more importantly, it's given them I think people something to reach and grab onto, you know, for a few hours a night. But from a player standpoint, it's it's thrown them and it's it right into the forefront of the community, which but has been great. It will be interesting. I would probably I'll probably get in trouble for talking about this, but uh American Thanksgiving, U.S. Thanksgiving, is that line in the, the Toronto Star did this uh, did this this study a number of years ago where if you are in the postseason oh, yeah, yeah. on American Thanksgiving, you have a ninety percent chance of staying in the in the postseason. Um, so, uh, we're, yeah. we're, we, how far are we from U.S. Thanksgiving? Uh, third week, third Thursday in November, right? So, so that's uh, we're, about, we're about a month away. November twenty third. Yeah, we're about a month away. Yeah. So, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. Now, St. Louis and Chicago rolling <laughs> in here this weekend. Uh, Playoff could, uh, uh, steady teams. Yeah, could could make things pretty interesting. But uh, I think it'll be fascinating to see how the Golden Knights respond to that task. They're not oblivious. They know who they've played, who they've played, and they know who's coming, and they're going to want to knock one of these guys, if both these guys off. And it's interesting because a lot of teams, when they have homestands, and I've been part of it, there's more pressure at the start of the year to get off because it's always about you know banking as many wins as you can early. Golden Knights have done a real nice job of it here, and you know coming to the end of this home stretch, a couple tough games coming up, but uh, you know they can pick up a couple more. Boy, it really sets them up. They're going to have a tough road trip. We know that. Um, but it certainly has been a, a tremendous start here from when you look at it at all angles uh, here, the city, the, the standings, the league, and as mentioned, American Thanksgiving gets closer. Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave in our podcast here from Vegas, and it's brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including a world-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available. For more information, right now, go to rockcreekcattlecompany.com. Lawman? they got a great bar there that overlooks... <laughs> Shocking, you know, uh, uh, comes uh, back uh, to the sauce. We, I, we, we, we had a great day. We did some of the some of our group went up in a helicopter. Some uh, did some skeet shooting. Some of us uh, did some uh, world class fly fishing and landed monster trout, a four inch uh, trout. <laughs> and uh, but then we went to we went into the, the, this little bar and had a couple there before we had dinner. And then we went to dinner and then we went back into this. And it was like it's like it was like a clubhouse. It had that great feeling. Everybody there, we were all strangers, but you're you're there, you're isolated. So you, if you've ever been to a fishing lodge, and I know you have, Shane, yep. you, you quickly everyone who's at the lodge, you know, introduces themselves, and you all become friends, and you play cards together, you play shuffleboard together. It had that great vibe, and uh, I have to say, the wine list was pretty good too. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Eric Tosi was paying that night, so uh, we ordered a good bottle. Oh, oh I love hearing two. how great it was. I don't think Dave and I were there or Dan, no, but that's again, all right. Not invited. Maybe someday. You guys were holding out for big contracts. You hadn't <laughs> oh, signed yeah. yet. Yeah, it's oh, true. Yeah. 
uh, did you go up in the helicopter? No. I've never been. I've been up in a helicopter. You know, oh, not a chance. Uh, I I I'd like to, but I... Uh, <laughs> I have a buddy who uh, I have a buddy who w was going to a fly fishing trip, and he was bringing his brother, who at the time was around 350. He's down to about 250 <laughs> now. But they got to go... They went to get in the plane, and they were overweight. And they had to leave him on the dock. He missed the trip. <laughs> he couldn't go up in the little in the sea otter. He missed the trip. He, so he spent a couple of days in Winnipeg. It was out of Winnipeg, so he couldn't go on the trip and stayed in uh, stayed in Winnipeg. And we had dinner. But anyways, I, I don't. I, I, I'm a little bigger. I don't ever want to be the guy that gets said, "Yeah, you can't come." It's not incentive to drop a couple we're, lbs. We're overweight. Yeah, <laughs> I have been asked to move in an airplane before too. I can tell you that. You have any good airplane <laughs> stories? Ever lost anything on an airplane? What do you mean by Ooh. lost anything? Like I'm uh... the look on the sheriff's face yeah. is I know something you don't. Know. I don't know if there's a story out there. What have I Did lost? You ever lose a phone? Oh, <laughs> yes, I lost the phone. Like How left did you it lose on it? the plane? I forget. How did I lose it? I don't remember this. Were you story. trying to take a picture outside of a plane? I don't even remember. Off the Aikens Lodge? Oh, yes. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> Something may, may have fallen in the water. You're correct. <laughs> in the water? Uh, yes. Uh -huh, yeah. Never to be seen again? Uh, I think they put it in a bag and they brown rice, put it in rice or whatever. Figured a way to dry it out. Yes. Uh -huh. yeah. I loved Aikens Lake. I had some great times there. But, Fantastic. Uh, Rock Creek is. Uh, um, it's a different experience, but one of the very best experiences I've ever had. So if you have a chance to go, do it. There you go. Speaking of trips, um, you know, we've had the opportunity twice now to do the fan march from New York, New York, right through Toshiba Plaza, right to T-Mobile Arena. Sheriff even got on the Facebook Live last night, was narrating the whole thing. First time, and we yeah, it was. And we kind of tried to take over, but we couldn't hold a candle. We his, couldn't turn it his off. His live that coverage. Was the funniest thing. And Toast <laughs> came over and said, "Just hit this button." So tech savvy. <laughs> what are you? Three we're, dopes. We're in trouble. So, yeah, pretty if much. I'm, if I'm not dealing with three brain surgeons here. So, but anyway, it's become pretty apparent, and we did not telecast, uh, televise the first game because it was a national game on NBCSN. So we had a chance to be above there, um, you know, kind of that landing area above Toshiba Plaza at T-Mobile and look down, and it was just an unbelievable scene. People having a good time, having a beverage, all streaming in to get ready to see the first home game in Golden Knights history. So it, it led to, you know, a discussion. We talked to some people from the league that night, Shane, about, you know, in cities where you can do it and the setup is there, and we, we thought about here now, Nashville, what that turned oh. into last year was unbelievable during the, the their run to the to the Stanley Cup final that it's certainly in cities where it's available and the weather is conducive to it, you can turn this into a lot more than just you go to the game and you go home. So it, it led us to kind of, you know, if you had a bucket list of, of a trip you wanted to make, um, be it sports-wise, whatever sort of trip you wanted to make, because um, we think this is going to be a destination. We've already seen it. I mean, the home games we've seen, there's been – pretty healthy contingent of fans from other cities. Why the hell wouldn't you come to Vegas, make it a three- or four-day trip? But um, what have you kind of – is there anything on your list here? I, I know you, you, you've been around the world, but is there something you'd like to put together trip-wise that you haven't done yet? It's hard for me because I'm always busy. I go to every sporting event, but I'm working it or I played in it, so I guess working all the time. Nashville is always a, a big one for me. Uh, I think the, the one – I'd love to go to Scottsdale for the Phoenix Open. I think that would be uh, one of my bucket list uh, things to do down there. Uh, I know, guys, when you when you can hit 
a bunch of sporting events at the same time. Gary's probably done the other one. I never had a chance. He's done a bunch of Super Bowls. I think obviously wherever the the location, the better it would be. Um, boy, there's there's a lot. I haven't. I you guys. I Gosh, you've been to Ireland golfing. Yeah. I haven't done that. Uh, I've been able to do a lot of good things. Uh, Golf Royal St George out uh, just outside London. That was fantastic. Uh, so anything that when I think of that, what I've got the Masters. Think, is the Masters on your list? The Masters is, and I had a chance uh, when I played in Atlanta to go. But I couldn't make it. A couple of my teammates went, and uh, one of my teammates actually got moved because he he'd been overserved, uh, <laughs> and, he made, and, and he started booing Miss Miss Putts, which I guess is frowned Who? upon at the Masters. Who? Who is this? Who's this? Greg DeVries. I'll say his name. <laughs> Devo, longtime NHL player. So I, I forget who missed. Uh, somebody missed a putt, and there was a loud boo. At the Masters. At the Masters. He, he put his iced tea in his cucumber sandwich. I, I don't think it was iced tea. Long Island, maybe. Uh, this is a great story. So yeah, the Ryder Cup of the Masters. Yeah, he was. Uh, you know, he was. He was. He, he was a quiet guy, but when he got going, it was a lot of fun to be around. And uh, yeah, he got moved, but his wife talked to me, and he got to sit at the 18th hole and kind of, you know, wind the day down. But yeah, he was having. He had, a couple, of, he had a couple other chirps out there at some. Uh, you know, Stuart Sink. We'd golfed with him because he lived right by, and he was like, you know, cheering him representing and but there's one guy he had a inappropriate comment to I believe Phil Mickelson and <laughs> At the about his physique <laughs> uh, so there, that and the booing I think got him uh, you know but that was a long time ago I was credentialed to go to the Masters in uh, 2011 I was but I was working in uh, in Winnipeg at the time and they at the same time the story of uh, the Jets potentially returning to the city was breaking, and I was covering that story. And uh, literally, like on, uh, I'm packing my bags on the Saturday, and the phone rings, and it's my boss, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, I got some bad news." I said, "What's that?" He goes, uh, "Yeah, I was just talking to the publisher and mentioning how you were leaving for uh, Augusta today." And he looked at me like I had three heads. He said, "This guy's leading the coverage of our story about potentially the biggest sports story in the history of the city, and you're going to let him go cover a golf tournament." So uh, I got scrubbed, and sure enough, very shortly later, the Jets did return, and that was uh, was a fascinating story and fun to cover. Uh, you know, I, I think that I, I would I, I would love to go and do some uh, do some things in Europe. I haven't had a I've been to Russia and I've been to Germany, but I haven't been to my mom's Italian, my dad's Irish. I'd like to do that. I'd like to to combo those together. And uh, shockingly, it wouldn't be about sports for me. It would be about uh, food and wine in Italy. And uh, mm. I'd like to go to every pub. You can include that with sports. Yeah. Cycle from place to place. I got friends that do the Italian yeah, wine yeah, tour. Yeah, they bike and not it's, a, bad it's idea. a bike trip and no, it's I've fantastic. Got a bike. Yeah. They do have those electric bikes now too, right? <laughs> Where you pedal for a little while and then it, it's, basically the a, it's basically a moped. <laughs> and I'm not, I, I, I'd look great on a, a Vespa. I, we could do it on a Vespa. We could do those it on a Vespa. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd like to go to like uh, to go to Ireland and, and visit a million pubs. I think that'd be yeah. great. It's, um, you know, for me, you mentioned Nides. Like, I'm fortunate enough I've been able to play some golf. I was just, uh, what's it, almost two months ago I was over there. It was two months ago I was in Ireland on a golf. So that to me, so it's, to me it revolves around, like, the, probably a couple of things I'm most passionate about, which are sports and, and music. Um, pretty limited here. I mean, once you get past that, yeah. like, you know, that's about what <laughs> we're, we're... not complicated people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um my buddy and I, uh, a buddy of mine and I went to Ireland on a golf trip uh, two months ago. We played five rounds in seven days. It was great. Like I, I would encourage anybody if you get the opportunity to do it. You know, and I will say you don't go there for the weather, right? It can be crap. 
We yeah. took the overnight flight from Boston and landed in Shannon on the West Coast and drove up to Bally Bunyan and played golf in 55-mile-an-hour winds. And you had all you could do to keep the ball in play. But what are you going to do? When you're on a trip like that, it's not like you're going to come back in two weeks. You're there, and you've got to – that's part of the like the Irish golf experience. So I go there for the golf and the pubs, which you could you can't walk three blocks without hitting one, and the people, you know, just the culture. And I think – I think you guys would love it. I really do. I think it's a phenomenal trip. But to me, the other things I'd like to do, the Masters is on my list. The lockout in 12-13, if they had scrubbed the whole year, I was going to go that, whatever, April of 13 to the Masters, but they ended up um, salvaging it. But somebody told me, Nigel, that it, TV doesn't do it justice, just how beautiful an area, how beautiful Augusta is, and the undulations of the hills. It's beyond belief. Like, you could watch it on your 60-inch high-def TV, but to be there and walk those grounds must be, it's unbelievable. I just thought of it. Yeah, what do you got? Kentucky Derby. Oh, yeah, that's on my list. I I wrote it down. I want to buy a suit, a hat, drink a mint julep. Oh, Put a hundred bucks on uh, something. Can I to, pick the suit? Now? To win. <laughs> I gotta say, you're stepping it up. Like, the, like we talked about this in our first show. Your opening night. Uh, well, he called it a costume. costume. We uh, talked about it last night. Last night was a get up. Yeah, he's just jealous. You look great. That's fine. Great, a stretch. But uh, where, where, where are these threads coming from, and where is the the inspiration? Is your wife behind this? No, is it you? It's me. Do you do you read GQ? Do I read? Do you, do you look at pictures? Whatever. I don't sure. read. I mean, I'm not like, read. Like, because this, reads, is, not, reads a bit this much. is not ordinary stuff. A lot of magazines, I just look at pictures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> no, I got, I got a guy from Montreal. Actually, funny thing is he's in town today, so when we're done this, I'm going to stop by. But it, oh. it, you get a whole bunch. He, he helps out. You got to kind of go. You know what's interesting is a lot of hockey guys have style, but you wear it to the rink for. You basically put it on. You ride the bus, you, or you drive to the rink. You take it off, play the game, put it on. You go home. You take it off. Nobody really sees it. So a lot of it, you know, I had from when I played, and then you know, I'm just kind of. You look for a new angle as you get into something, and I, I, I like, I like something that's a little bit different. I like nice clothes and. Uh, Become a bit of a thing, style and a but, profile, and we so talked yeah, about so it last Kentucky night. Kentucky Derby would fan. I love to get something for that to to get dressed up and put, put a costume on. Why don't we go? To, why don't we get Duva to put? Uh, yeah, get him. Put put a trip together for us. He can plan it, and uh, it'll include some historical the, the, uh, visits, the, uh, and uh, and we'll have some fun. There's another great. one that I would love to do is. Uh, you rent a rent an RV and do uh, a NASCAR, right? Uh, sitting Daytona inside the track. I like to go to Daytona 500. Do Daytona 500. I don't know a damn thing about car racing and I'm NASCAR, that but one. that event. I, I know, I know a group of guys that did Without it. Without they didn't get their damage Evidently. deposit back though. After the <laughs> <laughs> great, shockingly, the other one I'd like to do is a big time Division One college football game: Alabama, Clemson, Tennessee, somewhere. The game or the tailgate? Both. <laughs> Probably the big house, the Michigan? tailgate, Would you more. Make the game? Michigan. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The game might be secondary, but I, yeah, I guess you'd like to go in and see some of the game. But I think that would be, especially back in you know where I'm from, the Northeast. There's really not any you know major college football. It doesn't you know Boston College as a team, but I'm, I'm talking about teams that are national powers. I think that would be awesome. Even Notre just for Dame. you know for a Notre, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame, that'd be, game awesome. Would be pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Alabama. Yeah. So that's all. Uh, Anybody, anything else? That's that's pretty much it, right? Music? I mean, Music. Uh, I'd love to, you know, we talked about Nashville. Yeah. If you have not been there, and, I, you know, the Predators can be playing or not playing, to be quite honest with you. 
But to go there in that stretch of Lower Broadway, it's only four or five blocks, right? You can walk up and down that street. You don't need a cab. You don't need a cab. You don't need an Uber. You can walk up and down that street from 11 in the morning till 2 in the morning and hear great live music. It's pretty amazing to see. So we've seen here in Vegas the Red Wings, the Bruins, and now the Sabres. And those are all fan bases that travel. And the Sabres fans, you talk about the fan march. There was a Sabres fan right in the (laughs) middle of... uh, of the fan march. She started right from the start and she marched right to the end, right at the front of the group. But they traveled well. There were a ton of Sabres jerseys. I even saw a Dave Snugger jersey in the crowd last night, which uh, which really caught me off guard. But they uh, that whole that whole concept in Vegas of being able, because those people came to Toshiba Plaza at like four in the afternoon yesterday and there's all those bars right around there and they're all hanging around and by the time yeah. they, you know, then they go into the game, and then they come right back out, and they're right back in that strip of bars, right by uh, Toshiba Plaza, and they uh, they were there till you know well after midnight. Uh, that tells you what I was doing last. How do you night. know? Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, you know, I mean, it's going to be like that every game. I'll, and we talk about our trips right now. That is the trip from people I know all around. Is hey, let's go catch a game of hockey in Vegas, and uh, you know if your team's playing great. If not, Vegas was already you know. One of the biggest destinations as it is. Now you throw some hockey in there if you're a hockey fan or even a sports fan. Fantastic setup. I think it'll be fascinating to see at some point in time the fans in Vegas won't, their tickets won't hit the secondary market and it'll become harder and harder to make that trip. Nashville stopped selling tickets to people from Chicago because they were flooding to those games and they were jamming the place. Minnesota started putting on restrictions on fans from from Winnipeg because so many were coming down to I'm sure George McPhee doesn't like seeing all those jerseys of of uh of the opposition in the building. Yeah. yeah. Like wh- wh- why would he? You right. know, so it'll be fascinating to see how the fan when the fan base grows and becomes more protective of of their of their building. It'll, I think that'll be fun to watch unfold. Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Sheriff, Law, uh, Sheriff Lawless, and some guy named Dave. Hashtag SLGND and our pod- podcast here from Vegas is brought to you by McKenzie River Pizza. Looking for a new place to eat with a family or grab a drink with a friend while watching some hockey? Well, try McKenzie River Pizza located right at City National Arena, downtown Summerlin. This brand new restaurant and full service bar overlooks two sheets of ice where the Vegas Golden Knights practice. For more information, and the restaurant information, go to McKenzieRiverPizza.com. We are there often. Great pizza. Um, you know, the problem is for us, when we go there for lunch, we can't imbibe in a beverage, but they have great uh, draft locations, uh, draft beer options. I know you haven't had a beverage on company time yet, Sheriff. Have no, you? I, I have not. So. Will okay. not. No, uh, okay, good. Save that for after games. Yeah, it's good to know. Okay, perfect. But uh, make sure you stop by McKenzie River Pizza, uh, just a fantastic practice facility, City National Arena for the Golden Knights in downtown Summerlin, and um, get yourself a bite to eat. So hashtag SLGND. We're talking about music. And, um, you know, what's what's the stuff you um, you put on your playlist? Do you have some diff- different playlists, Sheriff? I do. Songs. I, I like you everything. Go for your run out Red Rock. Like I, I can go right from you know country and you know old school Garth Brooks. I can go to Alabama. Then I can go to new stuff. Luke Bryan, Eric Church. Uh, you know, love Chris Stapleton. Uh, yeah. And then I can you know I can flip over. I love the '80s, the old cheesy music. Uh, anytime you know you can't beat Journey on any day. I know you're a fan. Love Journey. Love Journey. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, for Canadian people, tough day for them. Uh, Gord Downey passed away, the tragically hip, which is, you know, any Canadian, 
and especially any Canadian hockey player, uh, tragically hip synonymous with hockey up there, and uh, he passed away after his battle with a uh, long battle with cancer. So tragically hip has always been one of my favorites, and uh, and then right to new songs. I, I can go to I can listen to him. I got kids, so. You know, I don't want. It's interesting. They, they're, they're, there's some music I I hear my 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 old man in my ear when he you know the Oak Ridge Boys would be playing on that old cassette driving somewhere. <laughs> what is this? And you know, oh, this is good music. I kind of get that when I put on some of my old stuff. And you know, we'd play it, and he'd say, "What's that crap you're playing?" Well, I kind of. I try not to do that. Uh, I try to be open minded with some of the new music. But hey, I'll listen to anything. Uh, but there's there's certain songs that stick out. Were you? Um who was who was the best guy? So I would imagine on every team there's someone that controls the tunes in the locker room. Yeah. Who, in your opinion, in your stops along the tour, did the best job of that? Is there anyone that jumps to the Me. forefront of you? <laughs> there's some Shane guy. You know what I did? I did. That was a responsibility of mine. I'm uh, at times, and you know, you switch if your if your team's winning or you're rolling or. Uh, that was a big song. I, I remember uh, with the run with the Bruins at, uh, in 2011, I did a lot of the controls there, and it was a mix of everything. Uh, you know, we had, you know, Babbo O'Reilly was kind of the last song we'd play to end it off. Uh, it's always a great song. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of good songs everybody has, but that, that one sticks out for me just because during yeah. that run, that was, uh, that was one we kind of had the last, last one before we, uh, you know, turned the music off and focused on the game. Teenage Although, Wasteland. Teenage Wasteland. There you go. Now, yeah. You... you, you have a pump up song for me. I, I'm 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 playing baseball for uh, the Montreal Expos, and I have a, a song that I'm going to go to the plate. no diggity. What is that? That's <laughs> <laughs> it uh, it used to be one of the most popular songs back in uh, the early '90s. How about, how about Notorious B.I.G. B.I.G. Uh, there you go. Okay. Montreal Expos. Juicy. By the way, that's that's a good, that's a throwback. I was an Expos fan. Yeah, there you go. Kind of basically, I lost, baseball lost me. Uh, when uh, after '94, when they had the strike, and the, yeah. and uh, it looked like the Blue Jays were sorry '84, the Blue Jays were going to win, and then uh, they folded uh, shortly after that. That was kind of uh, the the end of baseball for me. And although I I, I liked the Red Sox, so when they got uh, when they got going again, I did watch those those World Series. So uh, yeah. What's your pump up song? All right, so I know. I mean, I, I know, you know. What mine was mine was "Till I Collapse" by Eminem. That was kind of that was that was my pump up when I you know do my last warm up uh, before getting out there had that pumping in the headphones and yeah, well man, probably Springsteen. Oh. I'm going down. I'm going down. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. You guys are gonna go right into the Springsteen right. stuff now. We can have Nides leave the room because he'll he won't uh, he won't want to hear any of this. Mine would be Badlands by Bruce. You ever heard Did that he song? sing Piano Man? No, oh, God, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Mine would be Badlands. You know, my buddy and I back home, we go, we've, part of the, this whole trip thing was we've, we made a, we've made a few trips to see Springsteen, but just because we're lucky, because we, we know someone that can kind of help us on the ticket side of things. So, but Badlands would be mine. Uh, but I, you know who I'm a, a big fan of? Uh, Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters. I saw them at Fenway Park, um, I don't know, I think two summers ago. And, uh. This was after Grohl. Remember, he fell off the stage and broke his leg. I think he was yes. in Sweden. Yeah, and he sat in the stage. So they built this throne, really, out of like surrounded by guitar necks. And uh, I'd like to see them again, though. Fenway Park's a great place to see a concert, but where I was seated, we were like the, that stage is in dead center field, almost near the center field wall, and my seats were back behind home plate, like in up above near the press box. You know, that stage is five hundred feet away. That's a long ways away. So I'd like to see them like. 
indoors at a concert venue. Um, is there anybody on your list of musicians you haven't seen? That's a good question. That you'd love to see. That, for me, for the longest time, it was the Foo Fighters. And then I got to see them. So I don't know. You know, I've been fortunate enough. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a big Beatles guy. Yeah. I've seen Paul McCartney a few times. Um, and I saw Tom Petty a couple times. So I still can't I, believe yeah, he's gone. Yeah, I saw gone. Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah, I can't, you know. But... Uh, I've seen Bob Seger, big Bob Seger guy. That's one Journey. I haven't seen. I'd love to see Bob Seger sometime. I, yeah. We're talking back to destination. You're talking about in Europe to go there and watch a concert. I was able in Paris at Stade de France watch U2 in front of 110,000 people. That was yeah. That was an impressive concert, to say the least. Uh, but you know what? I've been fortunate enough to see a lot of the seen people I'd like to. I haven't seen Zach. Zach's, you know what? There'd be Zach's a lot of country good. artists I need to see. Yeah. That that would probably uh, that would be on the list. Well, man, anyone that. You he's haven't seen, seen. He's seen Springsteen. He's happy. Yep. No, I'd it. like to see Zach Brown. I'd like to see Seeger. Same as you guys. I think we're all pretty much. Uh, I think Seeger, pretty, if you're going to uh, do it, pretty similar. Better be sooner than later. I don't know if he's going to be doing it too much. And longer. I, I'm a huge Garth Brooks fan. He used to do. A, uh, well, he played here for years at the Win. I was part of uh, Teammates for Kids, the foundation. He, you know, pairs up with all the major sports, and, and he used to do private concerts. But that led to an actual gig here where he played at the Win, and it wasn't just Garth Brooks songs. What he talked about was his inspirations. It was. He's a tremendous entertainer, and it was he'd play James Taylor, and he'd go back Merle Haggard, James Taylor, Bob Seger, all his influences to his music, and uh, it was a fantastic show to watch. Um, you got to see a little bit of everything, and then it would show how those how those influences transitioned into his songs. Great, yeah. great show. Yeah, good stuff. Um, all right, so here we are in our podcast here, Dave Gosher, along with Shane Knighty and Gary Lawless. Hashtag SLGND coming to you from Vegas. The 5-1 Golden Knights. Next up, they've got the St. Louis Blues coming up on Saturday night. And then after that, Chicago Blackhawks still come to town. Colorado Avalanche as this homestand continues. And a reminder for you that if you are heading to T-Mobile Arena, be sure to take care of your parking ahead of time for Golden Knights fans. And don't fight for a parking space the night of the game. Purchase your parking in advance through the Park Mobile app and score your perfect spot at the preferred parking garages of the Vegas Golden Knights. Go to lasvegas.parkmobile.com to reserve your parking today. That's Las Vegas dot parkmobile.com here we are on hashtag slgnd as we get set for uh, three more games on this homestand we're going to welcome in dan duva who's been not dozing off just yet so that's a good thing <laughs> running the board and taping this whole situation for us here today dan what's shaking over there Everything, well thank uh, goodness i have my coffee no i'm just <laughs> <laughs> what have you learned? Well, I, I you, you know, learn anything. When you mentioned Springsteen, how did my ears no. not break? Well, up? I knew this would be right after so, your alley, and then yeah, Nides' that, eyes would roll back one, in his head. That one, yeah. yes, I, that I like definitely gets my attention. Yeah. I like um, Badlands. I like I'm going down. But uh, I think the, uh, the song that was uh, not recorded for an album until more recently, but was performed live, um, I think Land of Hope and Dreams yeah, love it. Was, would be a really great pump up song and i yep. can uh, i could remember a few times a hopping in the one. car and just that that uh, that beginning there's a lot of music uh, leading up to the first lyrics in that song and I, i've definitely hopped in the car needing a 
a little bit of a boost and popped on that song, Land of Hope and Dreams. Do you know that song, Sheriff? No, I do not. Okay. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. We'll get you the live version and the studio version. You could decide which one you there like. There is better. a song <laughs> that I used wait. to listen to. Uh, you know what? I, I like a lot of Springsteen, obviously, Hometown and those things. But the one song, I, the newer one, was Waiting on a Sunny Day and Living in Canada During the Winter. It was a great song to have. It was a pump-up <laughs> song every day. And I don't need Waiting it anymore. a long time, you know? So we thought we'd bring Dan Duva in. Um, all of us have have seen, I guess, some pretty crazy things in our time, whether it's been through the East Coast Hockey League, the American Hockey League, junior hockey. And we thought we'd bring Dan in, uh, former voice of, in Trenton, and then in Syracuse. We see the Syracuse. Do you have any Syracuse garb on today? For sure. Is, is, that, um, is that a Syracuse jacket? Oh, there. I couldn't see the Absolutely. The, the, Absolutely. God. The cord, Deuce. I couldn't see the, the yellow S there. So... Um, yellow S? Uh, <laughs> yellow? Orange, orange. I'm colorblind. What color is that? Syracuse orange. That, it's right in the name, Dave. It's right in the name. Close enough. How did you not mention orange, Syracuse yellow. when you talked about your 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 destinations? Yeah, most people football. You mentioned talk about Clemson the Athens Alabama. of this century. Syracuse. How about Binghamton, Syracuse down in Clemson? The upset oh. of the year in college football. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Go you were orange. all pumped up about that. That's the other right. Day. Yes, I, I made sure to not only wear an orange tie yesterday, but also. An orange pocket square, which I uh, do wow. not wear very often. Dan does for for radio. It's, you know, not that anyone sees it. Yeah, I got all these orange ties. I got to wear them. Yeah. I'd like to see a little gold incorporated. I wore a gold tie for the home opener. Yeah, yeah. did you? Right. I did. And uh, you know, you have plenty of folks from Syracuse visiting yesterday, including Alex Tuck's family. Alex, right. Alex's dad uh, decided to make the trip out along with some friends and. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a certain Syracuse pride. Alex talked about it a little bit, but there's a, there's something special there in Central New York. We saw a few Syracuse jerseys, and yeah, those folks are pumped about their football team. But yeah, yeah you're right though. I've been to Clemson, but not for football. I'd like to go to Clemson yeah, for football. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. What are yeah. some of the um, what are some of the things that any crazy moments from those times in the East Coast you Hockey know, League, you AHL? And I were talking like, about this yesterday, Dave, yeah. because it was Robin Leonard as a backup goaltender for the for the Sabers. And, and this is one of those things that, uh, at the time, I could not have told the story publicly because there was a lot to it that only has come out in recent years. But this was October 20th of 2012, and Robin Leonard is, is uh, at the center of this story in a way. The Crunch, AHL affiliate of Tampa Bay, visiting the Binghamton Senators at the time, the Ottawa Senators affiliate. It's important to note in 2012, Tampa Bay had switched affiliates from Norfolk to Syracuse. And in Norfolk, they won the Calder Cup, had that 28-game win streak. All of those players moved to Syracuse. And you had the NHL lockout going on, so the players that might have been in the NHL were in the AHL with Syracuse. Binghamton, the Senators affiliate, they had won the Calder Cup two years ago, two years before. So you had the last two Calder Cup champions facing off early in the season. In the afternoon of this day, game in Binghamton, Goaltender for the Crunch, Dustin Tokarski, was carjacked at knife point. And this is a story, again, at the time, was kept very quiet. It has since come out, so I don't have a problem mentioning it. But he was carjacked at knife point in Syracuse. And a chase ensued. There's a lot of details I don't need to get into. But you could imagine, starting goalie gets carjacked at knife point hours before the game. He's with the police. John Cooper, the head coach in Syracuse at the time, stays in Syracuse. Meanwhile, the, the news is sort of filtering through the team as they're getting on the bus and ready to go to Binghamton. And what? what, what, what you can't be serious. But there's no John Cooper and there's no Dustin Tokarski on the bus to Binghamton. We get there. Riku Helanius is the backup. So he's going to have to play. 
Riku had been with the Lightning organization, played in Norfolk a little bit, but had gone back to Finland for a couple of years. He was now back in North America, and he was clearly the number two goalie. But he's got to start against Binghamton, and it did not go well for Riku. It was 5 nothing Binghamton <laughs> in the second period. So for whatever reason in the game, you know, Tokarski and Cooper have, like, made it. They, somebody got him down to Binghamton, but it's 5 nothing. There's a scrum around the Binghamton net. Richard Panic, now with the Blackhawks, he's kind of shoving somebody at the side of the net. Robin Leonard was the goaltender for Binghamton. He gets up and punches Richard Panic in the back of the head, and all hell breaks loose. And Riku Helanius, down at the other end of the ice, skates across. And when everybody realizes that Riku has come from one end, everything stops, because that means Robin Leonard's got to come from the other end, and the two goalies square off at center ice. Now, God love Riku Helanius, but I'm not sure that he had ever thrown a punch in his life, let alone against six foot four Robin Leonard. <laughs> and remember, Leonard's from Sweden, Riku's from Finland, you got something going on there. And Robin Leonard beats the living you know what out of Riku Helanius. This was only a part of the 150 penalty minutes in the game. But to cap the story, Syracuse comes back and wins the game in overtime six to five. Wow. And it is still the biggest wow. comeback. By deficit in franchise history, October 20th of 2012. And Guy Boucher was at the game, and I interviewed him between the second and third period. And at the time, of course, he was the head coach of the Lightning, and this was during the lockout. So he was trying to make sense of what he was seeing from the Crunch, who were supposed to be good, the you know the reigning Calder Cup champions in effect. And it wasn't looking good. And then this comeback happens, and it is one of the most unlikely events I have ever seen, considering the carjacking, because Tukarski then has to come in and holds Binghamton scoreless the rest of the game. As the comeback is going on, the guy literally was carjacked at knife point hours earlier, and Syracuse wins the game. That is one of the most unbelievable things I've experienced. Did, the, in, in did they time. find the guy? I'm assuming it was a guy that carjacked him? I, I, the, the, the car, yes. the car. They, they did get the car. There was a chase on the highway, and they used the, the spikes on the highway, and the car was totaled, but uh, they they did stop the guy from <laughs> escaping. But, yeah, I mean, Tukarski was shaken up. He's a great guy. Got uh, the win. Yeah, that's right. No, he, <laughs> the he, he was uh, ended in a positive <laughs> note. I was, in, uh, I was in Chicago yeah. one night in the uh, – <clears throat> they called it the All-State Arena, the old Rosemont where they used to – where DePaul played, uh, played basketball, and it's where the Chicago Wolves play. Bruce Richardson was a kid playing for the Manitoba Moose, and Chris LaPuma was a tough guy with uh, with the Chicago Wolves. LaPuma was hurt, wasn't in the lineup. Richardson gets in to a fight late in the game, gets thrown out, is walking down the tunnel. LaPuma is standing in his street clothes outside of the Wolves' dressing room, and Richardson starts to beak him, and LaPuma responds, hey, what happens out there is one thing, you come after me out here, I'll go out to my car, get my gun out of the trunk, and come back in here and shoot you. And then winks at me. I'm the reporter. I'm stick because I've come down early to be at the at the dressing room because we're on deadline. He winks at me, which is basically, go ahead, big boy, put that one in the paper. So the next day, headline of the, and this is a playoff series, the headline is uh, gunplay in Wolves Moose Playoff series. It was uh, that was uh, oh my goodness one of my one of my favorites. And they wow. had a guy in Chicago who stood at the uh, at the end of the at the end of the rink. We called him Mike the Hat, Mike Nardella. He wore a, a hat uh, and uh, he smoked c cigarettes 
right in the rink. There's cops all around him. This old guy just stood there and smoked his cigarettes and dropped him on the floor. That was that that Chicago arena and those teams back in the day. They were uh, they were something else. Sheriff, you've been in the. What was the story you were telling us about? You were in the penalty box. Yeah. And you were in the wrong well, part of town the at the wrong time. There. Yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, so I was drafted by the Sabres a couple of years ago, 94. Uh, <laughs> Seventh round. But I missed the first camp because it was the strike back then. Uh, so next year went to camp. And we had, a, in Buffalo, there's a ton of us young young guys. There's a lot of tough guys. Ruma Nadur and Sean Gagnon, uh, Bob Westerby. Uh, anyways, we were playing. And I, John Baduk, would it have been Syracuse? I believe it was. We were playing just an exhibition game, and I think we went across the, the border there. We were playing somewhere in Ontario. Um, anyways, I got in a fight in this game and, and, and did well. I think it might have been a Swedish kid. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, I won. Uh, th- that said, then Sean Gagnon fought John Baduke, who was legendary through a lot of leagues. Uh, I played against him in the Western Hockey League in Canada and whatever, and he, he was a little bit off the wall. And uh, Anyways, we're in the penalty box. Him and Gagnon are chirping, and I'm in there because they fought right after. And there's, you know, back then, exhibition games were fight-filled. That, that's what it was about. A little bit of hockey played. Anyways, Baduke and them were, and then all of a sudden, we look, and he's starting. There's glass, you know, tall glass between... You know, us, then you got the timekeepers, then our side with tall glass. Uh, he's starting to climb over his. And I'm like, what's going on? And, and he gets over. So once he gets out of his side, the refs can't come in the penalty box and get him. He's in the timekeeper side. So they come to our side, and they're trying to grab us out of there. Well, they grab Sean Gannon out of there who fought him. I'm left. And all of a sudden, I see this crazed guy coming down. It's like a cage match inside. He comes jumping over this tall glass, and I got to brace myself to get ready and defend. So... A little bit of a skirmish in the penalty box, something uh, that I'm glad only happened once. And uh, it's a good story to tell. I believe the Hockey News wrote something on it at the time. So I was 19. That was pretty cool for me because, you know, got your name in in print. But uh, very entertaining. That and the other story I played in uh, the late... Sasha Lakovic, who, uh, you know, was a bit of a brawler, played in a lot of leagues. I'm sure you guys had run across yeah. stories of him getting down. on His nickname was the Pitbull, and he used to get down on all fours sometimes and bark at guys. Uh, he did it once outside the, the penalty box waiting for a guy to come out. <laughs> played with him when, in uh, the St. John Flames in the American Hockey League. And as a D-man, you know, you'll see guys, they can, you know, they kind of toe-drag the puck and have it, so they carry it kind of like lacrosse style. You don't see, you see guys score goals like that, talented, skilled guys. Well, what he would do, he did this one game when I was playing on the ice for a breakout, and you know you go behind the net. He went behind the net, but he didn't do it like that. He used the back of the net to shimmy the puck on his stick, and then he tried to carry it out of the zone with it lacrosse style. I've never, it is something that you will never see again, Yeah. Uh, but very unique, and uh, uh, yeah, he was quite the character. Sasha Lakovic, he actually yes. he just passed that's away. that's what I said, late. The yeah, late. Just, just died of cancer. He played here in Vegas, and I actually yep. saw him uh, get his pro start in uh, in the Colonial Hockey League when I was... Uh, and a little bit of acting, too. I was he was in Miracle. Miracle, yeah, he was the Russian player. He was yeah. the captain of uh, the Russian team. Yeah, he was excellent at it, actually. Yeah, I played with his brother, Greg, uh, with the Prince Albert Raiders of the Western Hockey League, too. And, uh, yeah, it's too bad, to sad passing there. But uh, certainly he left a lot of unique stories throughout the leagues he played in. Well, there's two that come to mind for me when I was doing the games in Providence in the American League. Um, and the 1999 team won the Calder Cup. They beat Rochester in the finals four games to one. So 
Uh, I want to say it was between games three and four of the final series. We were at some practice rink in Rochester, and remember the Bruins had a guy, they drafted in the first round as a defenseman, Jonathan Aiken. Does that ring yeah. a bell at all? No, Big guy, yeah. right? I covered okay. Jonathan Aiken. He came there to the Manitoba Moose later. So it never panned out in Boston, obviously. Never panned out anywhere. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> to the point now, I think at this point, when he was in Providence, he might have been playing like fourth line left wing. I could be off on that, but I think he was playing up front. So anyway, you know, it's everyone, you know, you're killing time. I think it was after practice, and there was this there was this pond right ne- adjacent to the practice rink. So, you know how it is. Everyone, 20 bucks, 20 bucks, everyone bucks up, right? And Aiken, the next thing I know, we, I think I was sitting on the bus, and I thought we were leaving. He dives in this lake, buck naked, right? And they, he had like 500 bucks probably, which is a lot of money yeah. any, now, but especially if you're in the American Hockey League. And they bucked up 500 bucks for him to swim across the lake naked. Lord knows what's in this lake in Rochester, New York. Get out of the lake naked, run around this big, like, maple tree, and then dive back and swim back across. And he did it for 500 bucks. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Right? So the team wins the Calder Cup, and we're having a in Warwick Country Club in Rhode Island, which is a beautiful course right on the water. They're having, like, a golf tournament and then, like, a dinner afterwards for the team. So... We're kind of in this room, and I look out, and the ninth hole at Warwick is a par three, and you could hit five iron or five wood, depending on the wind coming off the water that day. It's a great hole, but there's two water hazards on the way to the green. So I look out. You guys remember a guy named Jeremy Brown? I don't know if that would have rang a bell. Kind of a third or fourth line winger, right, back then. But a key, you know, a good role guy. Here we go again. We look outside. It's probably it's at dusk now. It's 7.30, and here's Jeremy Brown. Buck naked, running across the ninth green of War Country Club, dives into the pond. It was a water hazard. Grabs a golf ball out of the pond and rolls it into the cup on the par three, <laughs> the par three ninth hole. So that was like just things that I remembered, like from around that team, like just stuff you wouldn't. There's all, yeah, there's, yeah, you know what I mean. But the, here were two guys that jumped into a body of water nude. Just for five hundred bucks, probably. Oh, there, there, there's you know what uh, I mean? there's guy uh, I played with too, and he used to he's called stupid bunny, and because it was you'd have him do silly things, whether it was uh, you know eat a fifty ounce steak or you know can yeah. you eat this or drink this and or do this. Uh, it's very entertaining to see uh, see those things done. Uh, there's always little bets, but hey, guys, if you lose, you gotta you gotta yeah. own up to it. I know uh, Keith Kachuk and Jim Slater. We had a bet in Ottawa. Because they're they're both let's say tall torsos, uh, <laughs> short legs. Uh, so there's a bet. We actually got the measuring. And when you bring the measuring tape, you don't think of legs, but we had to measure who had the the shorter legs. And Jim Slater lost, so he had to he had to run around the bar in his underwear. And, uh, <laughs> that was that was. Keith uh, the Chuck is uh, famous for his hockey career, but he's also now famous for being my doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, I feel bad for Keith on that one. We both look like thumbs, I'm told. So, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Slater, where is he playing now? He's saying he's still over in Switzerland. Switzerland? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's doing well over there. Still got the first buck he ever made, they say. Oh, absolutely. It'd be com- competition between him and Chara. Chara has a lot Chara's more. Chara's got a lot more bucks. A lot more of them, but uh, yeah, the big, the, the big man. Great story about when he was in junior. Uh, <laughs> so when you go to junior, you get billeted out and they get a, a certain amount for, you know, whether they have one billet or two bills, they just had uh, Zidano. So I heard this story and he came over from, you know, Slovakia and, you know, six foot nine, we know the size. 
So they uh, they cooked a roast one night and they sliced up, you know, sliced up half of the roast, whatever, for everybody to eat. And everybody took a slice. Well, he took his fork and he took Slice that half. <laughs> From then on, they got they got paid for two they billets. <laughs> the big man. The oh, lot. he is. He's a big He's man. hungry. How did he look the other night? Well, it's about you know those back to back. I think his minutes. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to watch this. He he had he was their best player against Arizona. He still got that compete yeah. and stepped up at a I think three point night yeah. uh, the night before they came here. So he has such range. Eight six nine, and he and he's a incredibly smart player. He's probably going to be a Hall of Fame defenseman. Um, he wants an extension. That's what's going to be really tricky to watch. Uh, I don't, know if that's gonna happen. I don't know if it's, it's going to happen. He's 40 the, years the, old. The economics of the league are such that like we're watching. But Yager just got a deal. We were watching Ryan O'Reilly play last night. Well, an extension is one thing. It just depends on the length of the extension. Yeah. You know, if he wants two years, that's one thing. If he wants yeah. three, that's uh, that's another thing altogether. We were watching Ryan O'Reilly play last night, and he was fantastic. But coming into the game, he hadn't been very good. And, you know, that really gets you wondering about. Uh, He's a big guy that does a lot of good things, was never a great skater. And the game is moving so fast. He's signed a seven-year, he's got five years left there, uh, and uh, massive dollars, an AAV of $7.5 million. So they're attached to him for five more years yeah. at seven and a half a year. They just gave Jack Eichel uh, $80 million. It's, Eight for 80 uh, yeah, you know it's. Uh, but he's it, only making nine twenty five this year, I think. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's, it was interesting hearing uh, Jason <laughs> Botterill, the GM of the Sabers, talk about yes. that deal. He was at Terry Pagula's cottage. Cottage, uh, yes, uh, I'm sure it's a cottage, little, yeah, uh, quaint place, twelve hundred square foot cottage in the, uh, up in the Adirondacks. But they were they were up there, and uh, you know they're having some kind of a of a retreat. So they get up in the morning, and Pagula makes eggs, bacon, and eggs. For Botterill, and which he said that was surreal. And then in the afternoon, he signed, uh, he gave Jack Eichel uh, 80 million bucks uh, later in the day. So uh, quite a quite a day for uh, for Jason Botterill, who's, uh, uh, it'd be interesting to see how he does it there in Buffalo. That's, um, they're in transition for sure. And uh, they've got a, a real nice piece in Jack Eichel. Evander Kane becomes uh, a, an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. Do you hang on to him? Do you think? Has he changed? Has he become the player that you uh, want him to be? I've heard there's from from what I heard is is there's been a real good attempt, and uh, they hope it's genuine. Hey, it's there's a there's a mature process that takes place, right? I think he's you know I think he's getting there, and you know coming into the league as a young player, there's they a lot him, of things you got to learn. They gave him thirty one point five million when he was twenty one. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's this is something that I think that we ignore all the time when we're talking about sports. That kind of money, I, I, you gave me that kind of money at that age, I wouldn't have any of it left, <laughs> and I probably wouldn't be left. There'd probably be none of me left. So yeah. uh, the fact that he's been able to, you know, some of the stuff he's got involved in is, uh, you, you know, you, you wonder about that. But the fact that he's still no denying the talent, still glowing. He's a hell of a player. He can skate. Hey, one final reminder, be sure to check out all the hard-hitting action from the closest seats on the ice with VIP glass seat packages. You can enjoy exclusive seating in the first three rows while enjoying access to club lounges and all-inclusive food and beverages at each game. You'll also receive VIP parking in a Golden Knights jersey. For more information right now, go to VegasGoldenKnights.com. Dan Duvall, we only have a couple of minutes. We'll defer to you here. What, if anything, did we screw up? You know, Probably a lengthy I, I continue list. to be impressed yeah. by oh. when, when citing numbers, 
even if you kind of hint to our audience, you might not be hundred percent sure. I think you're you're just being humble because, <laughs> for instance, Dave, like the the four shots to none in the overtime, like that's right, right on point. Now, so much happened in overtime. I don't even remember the four shots or yeah. the none, but somehow you did. So I'm very right impressed. Here. That's right here. On the that's hard nicely drive, done. Again. Thank I, you. I did want to uh, just uh, since we were talking about John Baduke, you know, Shane, that there's only one former hockey player whose number is in the War Memorial rafters in Syracuse, and it's John Baduke. And when he came to visit Syracuse five years or four years ago, they did a story in the newspaper, and one of the things that he was asked about was the incident with you. Uh, and he actually was quoted as uh, as saying the following to uh, Syracuse.com in the newspaper. He said, it was unfortunate because I knew Shane Knighty. Shane was kind of a buddy of mine. You go that far into the other box, you have to do something. It was kind of all a blur. It happened pretty fast. The other thing was, that was the first game his eventual wife, Wendy, ever saw him play. Oh, great. That is some great research right there. There you go. So that's yeah. uh, that's pretty much all I've got. And uh, no diggity, Dr. Dre and Backstreet. That was a good one. And, uh, yeah, that, that was good stuff. Another one, uh, Goudreau and Leipzig. We were talking about their heights. Indeed, one inch for Leipzig. He's 5'10", Goudreau at 5'9". So very yeah. good stuff. Goudreau's 5'9 on skates, maybe. Uh, and, He's small. And, and, and Leipzig. Yeah. The, According yeah. to the NHL, 5'10 yeah, 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 and 5'9". Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all we can yeah. officially go by. So yeah. nicely done, guys. Very good stuff. Well, good stuff from everybody today. The Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND. As we said, the Golden Knights... Terrific start, 5-1 and one, uh, with a couple of more home games, three more home games coming up on this homestand. St. Louis Blue, Chicago Blackhawks, and then Colorado Avalanche. Guys, enjoyed it as always, right? We're going to do this again soon. I think we're talking. I certainly hope so. I would hope so, yeah. So uh, for Shane Knighty, for Gary Lawless, for Dan Duba, for Eric Tosi, I'm Dave Gosher. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.